Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. If you know me, you know how obsessed I am with live performance. To me, nothing replaces being in a theater and the lights going down and the orchestra starts to play and that first moment of magic. And I know the way I feel about theater, some people feel about sports or opera or dance or comedy or food. And what if there was a place that you could go and find out which live events are going on near you that night, and then for a discount price, you can get off your couch, put down that clicker, and experience the magic that is live performance? Well, there is a place, goldstar.com. You just go to that website, you type in your city, and every amazing live event will be listed at discount prices. Theater, dance, comedy, film, food, concerts, sports. No more staying home. You are going to go out and build memories and experiences that expand your mind and heart through live performance with GoldStar.com. GoldStar is in 26 cities around the country, with over 8 million members already signed up to find out what event is going on near you. So go to GoldStar.com. Get out of your house and build memories that are magic for you and your family. Expand your mind. Expand your hearts. Go see live performance by using goldstar.com. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's a lot of end friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day. Every little thing's gonna be A-OK. everyone. New episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday, and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Little known fact about my guest today, and I guess this is sort of a personal fact about me too. Everyone who listens to this show or knows me knows how glad I am that we moved to Brooklyn. But one of the things I miss is when I used to live in my Chelsea neighborhood of Manhattan, occasionally, in fact, often, I would run into my next guest and it was always a highlight of my day. Welcome, Mario Cantone, to the podcast. A-OK. A-OK. Hey, everyone. My guest today is actor, comedian, and writer, Mario Cantone. 
Mario is recognized everywhere for his hilarious performance as Anthony Marantino on the HBO series Sex in the City. His one-man show Laugh Whore, directed by Joe Mantello, was nominated for a Tony Award. He also starred on Broadway in Love, Valor, Compassion, Assassins, The Violet Hour, and The Tempest. He has numerous off-Broadway credits. Some of his film credits include Quiz Show, Mm. Surf's Up, Mm. The Aristocrats, Mm. and Sex in the City films. Mm -hmm. He has performed in many of his own comedy specials and has been a frequent co-host on The View. Yeah. Lots of other things. Mm-hmm. You've done a lot so of things. Ma- I can always tell by the person that recognizes me uh, where... How they know you. Yeah, where they know me from. Like, you Are know, there if types? It's a, well, if it's a, like a middle-aged woman, a middle-aged white woman or a middle-aged black woman, it's usually The View. Right. Um, if it's a, a lady, a young lady or... Even though Sex in the City's been off the air since whenever it's been off. 1922. Yeah, absolutely. You know what it's like to watch yourself on repeats 15 I do. years ago? It's horrible. <laughs> I do. But that show is on. People yeah, are just It's on every it. day. It's fantastic. Yeah, but it's just, I can't, I, swear, I turn it off. I can't, I'm, if I see myself, I'm like, okay. Oh, I was pretty. That was me. Um, no, that was me. You and Willie Garson. Yeah, I know. Me and Willie. Yeah. Who would have ever thought we got married? Amazing. Yeah, I know. Um, so yeah, and, and if it's uh, if it's um, yeah, it's usually and like stand up. It's usually the younger ones, right? Uh, I if it's a young urban kid, it's the Chappelle Show. Sure, because that was like a big deal. Yeah, that they I he made me very cool with the kids. Yeah, David, he's incredible. Ah, uh, he's for my money the best stand up comedian. Period. Done. We're done. I don't need anybody else. Thank you so much I for do coming need today. You're welcome. <laughs> this was really all. You don't about have to acknowledge Chappelle. that. Yeah, it is. Well, because I could talk about him forever. All right. I love him. I think he's a genius. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's the kindest. And I've known him since he was 17. When How? he was doing stand up in the park. He used to do it in Washington Square Park. I was like, I, You're I, like who is uh, that genius? I, but I used to see him in the clubs. I never saw him in the park. I just knew he used to do it in the park. I, I, I have, I have so much fear when it comes to stand up, even still. Right. I actually don't want to do it anymore. Okay. Because it's you can't say anything anymore. Right. They come after you. Right. Or whatever. It's very quiet comedy. No, it's careful comedy. Careful comedy. And it sucks. It's not fun. It's terrible. I, I it's, it's just not enjoyable. And I, you know, I, I'm not a, really a political comedian, although you know where I stand, and you and I certainly say what I need to say. But you know, I don't dissect politics as eloquently as you know Bill Maher does. Right. He's, he, I leave that stuff to him. Right. And, and and a few others that do it so beautifully. But yeah, I, you just don't want to say anything anymore. And you know what? No one's coming after me at this point. I'm 90 years old, and I don't need that service in my life. I want to say. I just don't. For 90? I look good, though. You look amazing. Yeah, that's what they're going to say when they get the open casket. He looks good, though. I recently went to my first open casket funeral. A lovely First older, time? Yes. A lovely You didn't know a lot woman. of Catholics, did you? I did not, but my neighbor, Connie, yeah. who I love so much. She Italian? She was Italian. Connie! I live in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn. Oh, forget That's my She's, favorite. Yeah. Uh, do they still have pestosa raviolis there? Of course. They're the best raviolis ever. Anywhere. I, so, that's the only ones I buy. I just want to say this. I uh, went to visit went, Connie yeah. after she had passed. Oh, Connie? It was Connie's wake? Embalmed. Oh, I gotta say, I literally was like, "Who did her?" Because Connie well, she look good? looked 
amazing. Well, and then I they had thought, some, it's not always like that. No? I've had many deaths in my family. Believe me, it's like, and it well, wasn't pretty. Really, no, see, no. I wanted it. I wanted a little of what she had. But she, she really, yes. she looked good though. She looked. Did I anybody say mind. that she looks good though? I was. Did like, anybody she, scream and try to throw themselves into the casket with no, her? No. But I was literally going, "Hey, do you know who did her?" Just because I think she looks amazing, and I have an audition tomorrow. Oh, wow. And if I could just have a have little, that, have that, have that glow, that waxy how, apple glow. How old was she? 90 something but I feel like Good I for saw her. what she looked like when she was 60. Wow. Like that's what I felt that's like she nice. looked well, like. They gave her a little lift in the embalming she room. She was beautiful that's and nice. like I said it's worth it a little poison to look so Yes. I don't know, natural. Yeah, I, I don't want an open casket. I want it closed. I'm going to be cremated. My sister, who just passed away in March, my sister Marion, she I'm was so 74. Sorry. Yeah, she was, a, she was a theater arts teacher in at PS 158. But and, you grew up in Massachusetts. Yeah, but she moved here in 1966, and I moved here in 1983. Okay. So, yeah, I used to come here a lot. But I do grow up in Stoneham, Massachusetts. I went to Emerson College. So where is Stoneham it's, in relation to Boston? It's um, about, I don't know, 15 minutes north. East or did yeah. you grow up going to see shows in yeah. Boston? Yeah, but but I used to come to New York and my sister would take me to shows. Right. Marion took me to her name was Marion. She took me to my first Broadway show was Pippin. My dog's name was Pippin. Really? Mm-hmm. Think did about your like, life, Pippin. Did he look like John Rubenstein? Or Ben Vereen? No. I, I, I was a little of both. Bro- that was my first Broadway show. And wow. I remember I'll never forget it when those those hands came up into the light and that's all you saw was these hands You're like, oh, I was so like I what knew? is this <laughs> it was the greatest thing ever that was Bob Fosse too I mean I saw the original Pippin that's it, incredible so what else did you what are your early memories of the first shows you saw Pippin, that Pippin A Chorus um, Line I did see the original cast of A Chorus Line um, which was astounding and at every time I saw like and I saw the first national tour and I was like nah every time I saw it again it was like it the problem with me for that show is that I did see the original cast, and it was all their stories. They wrote it, so it, it was like a documentary. Exactly. So it didn't work for me any other mm-hmm. time. Even though there were some good performances that didn't work for me every every, every other time. Um, the Wiz, which made my head blow off, it was one of my favorite things I've ever seen in my life. Stephanie Mills, and and Hit and Battle, and Ted Ross, and Mabel King, and oh my God, and 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 uh, Tiger Haynes playing the Tin. It was I'll never forget that Jeffrey yeah. Holder. Who directed it, and George Faison, who choreographed it, who's still around, kicking and amazing, and kickball chaining. Yeah, oh yeah, and kickball chaining, and, and Jeffrey Holder did the costumes and the sets too, and directed it. I mean, it was I'll never forget it. So your encyclopedic knowledge and unbelievable passion for, for the theater, theater and theater, and theater in general, not just musical. In Stoneham, how many siblings did you have? I had Marion was the oldest. Then there was Camille. There's Camille. She lives in uh, Massachusetts. She's 71. And then my brother Teddy is 70. And then I'm 59. And then Joey is 52. Okay. And there's gaps. Okay. But it's all the same parents. Right. Because I was an accident and so was Joey. Okay. No question. The extras, as we oh, call Oh, yeah. Them. They, I mean, like, my mother had me when she was 36 and she had Joey it, which was 43 in 1967, which was unheard of. That is unheard oh, of. Oh, yeah, yeah. She was like, guess who's pregnant? We guessed everybody. Janie? Connie? Uh, Auntie Mary? Like, everybody. Annette? Janie? Grandma? Yeah, and she was like, no, me. I was like, you? You're 43. Like, this is embarrassing. Uh, well, is it true that your mom was a bookie? 
Yep. A pregnant bookie? No, she wasn't booking then. She was she was a bookie um in the fifties and the sixties when she and she was a compulsive gambler too. That was the problem. See, like a diabetic owning a candy store. No, like a cocaine dealer doing the cocaine. If you just book, that's your business. Right. Even though it's illegal, but you know, if you're just a bookie, that's your illegal. That's business. your illegal business. So if you're booking and betting, that's not good. So you know, and it was her sisters, my aunt Joe, who I loved, and my auntie Mickey, who I loved. She, were they her older sisters? Yeah, they were, and they were all booking. Like they, my mother lived across the street, and they lived in a two-family thing. Mickey and Joe lived above, you know, in one two-family house and they were i think i was two weeks old when they busted them and did they go to jail they this is the story they came in my old sister marion the one who just passed away was mortified because they were like all ripping up the receipts and flushing them down the toilet like they were you know they were in a scorsese movie it was like ridiculous they were and so they 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 came in and my sister was there with their boyfriend she was just mortified and embarrassed and screaming at the cops to get out so they they arrested um, my mother, because it was her phone line. Okay. Her name was on the phone line. Okay. Even though my Mickey even though you didn't live with it. them. No, I I was they I didn't was two live together. Right. Who didn't live together? Did the, your mom did not live with her sisters? No, they lived across the street. across the street. Up, but it was her home. phone line that yeah, they were working that they from. were working for. Okay. So they they so they they arrested all three of them. But my mother's the one that got indicted. My father took the rap. Meanwhile, wasn't a bookie at the time, and didn't even gamble. He owned a restaurant. And um, so he he got he got a suspended sentence and his lawyer. This is a true story. His lawyer said to him, look, let's let's appeal this and get the suspended sentence wiped off your record. I know we can do it. Let's appeal this. So he listened to his lawyer. They went for the appeal and they threw him in jail for three months. So. Uh, then cut to, so then my mother. You're a brand new baby. I'm two months old. And your dad is in jail. Yeah, my dad's in jail. Three months, he only went for three months, but still, you know, it's whatever. I didn't know. It didn't affect me because I was in the crib. I was like, I don't know who's around me. I all <laughs> I was, was in the clink yeah. and you were in the crib. I sure was. Yes. I love that word, the clink. So, uh. Soon I after, always wanted to open like a restaurant or a bar and call it the clink. The clink. That's Get a, it? That is, Get it? Like I the think clink? there is a clink. No. No, is the, I, well, I don't, uh, maybe everyone's anyway. already thought of everything. Yeah, that's true. I think there's one in Boston. Maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, uh, so eventually when my father got out of there, he moved my mother from Everett, Massachusetts to Stoneham, Massachusetts. Okay. It was like, you know, 15 minutes away to get her away from her. Far away his, from her family. His sisters. And also her brother was kind of a leader in this whole thing. Right? My, my uncle Kamino. Um Kamino? Kamino. Kamino. Um, Papa, we called him. He was... Very, very, very cold. Very kind of silent and cold. I never got, but my Aunt Mickey and my Aunt Joe were like my favorite aunts. Okay. Um, so anyway, uh, we moved to Stoneham, and she stopped gambling and stopped booking. And and Why? Because she got so scared? No, because my father was like, you have to stop Do you have to. I know, but it's hard this. to stop addictions. That's Yo, it impressive. is. Well, she actually gambled one more time. Okay. And she they had to mortgage my house, the house that we had moved to in Stoneham. So that was that. That's the last time that she ever did anything. She was good. She taught my father how to book. He started booking. He gets arrested in 19, early 1970, 75, 76. They raided his restaurant. Um, There's good stories about the restaurants, too. 
he had a restaurant at 69 Broad Street called Cantones, which at night, later on in the in the uh, 70s and early 80s, it was a rock and roll club. It was a new wave rock and roll club that Dennis Leary used to go to and all the Emersonians that I went to uh-huh. college with. They loved new wave rock and roll. Meanwhile, I was going to see Phyllis Hyman, sure. Luke Andros, and Earth, Wind, and Fire. And, and Pippin and, on the and, side. And Pippin, you know, and I like the R&B. So uh, he, he gets arrested. He goes to court. The judge is the lawyer that told him to appeal back way back when. And he was like, case dismissed and let him go. Yes. Isn't that the most amazing story? Yes. I found that out after my father's funeral. I, I my brother Ted. Everyone telling stories. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you guys said that sounds like you couldn't write that. No one would believe that. Right. But yeah. If we pitched it, they'd be like, wow. no, Mario, too much, too and on the then, nose. And then my father rented the six floors above his restaurant or the five floors above his restaurant yeah. in the early 70s to this Church of Scientology of Boston, which, you know. That's another podcast. He didn't know. Yeah. You know, you know. So that's what's going on upstairs. Yeah, the, above I mean, they were only there for a few years. But yeah, how about that? It was, so he was booking were... and then there was Scientology. This is incredible. It's crazy. And never the twain shall meet. Mm-mm. And so when you're growing up, when you are a conscious person, no longer the two-week-old in the crib, are you growing up as a family who runs a restaurant? Is that your hangout? Are you working I in go, restaurant? I go. No, I would go there every Sunday with my father. Okay, but that wasn't out. like all of you working there. No, no, no. I didn't work there. My brother ran it after a while. My brother, my older brother Teddy. That's when like the rock and roll, the new wave rock and roll came in. Because um, someone said you should. Because my father tried something new at night right. every time. Because it was in the middle between Faneuil Hall and the Aquarium on Broad Street in Boston. It was a very dead area, very business right. area. Right. So at night it was nothing. Oh, Nothing I thought that happening. would be an unbelievable. No, location. it wasn't. Now it, was it may be. Man, now it is. Back right. then, no, it was dead. Okay. Um, it was, you know, it's the business area. So they, he, it was a gay bar for fucking two months, which is ridiculous. It was like, you know, elderly gay gays in leisure suits. There was like maybe two of them at the bar. He it was a strip club with women with pasties, you know, serving. It was a lot of different things at night. He tried. Finally. Somebody came to my older brother and said, you know, why don't you try some new way rock and roll? So there was the Rat Scaler, the Rat, right. and Cantones. Those were the two big, like, CBGB-type clubs in in Boston. That's incredible. So a lot of bands came out of there. So, obviously, you are many things. You are hilarious. You are a tremendous actor. You are an uncanny impressionist. Yeah. When did Sometimes. you start? <laughs> when I was a kid. Do me. When I, did you start <laughs> doing all these things? I think. Well, you know, when I was young, my the people that I the, the comedians I listened to were like Lily Tomlin, mm-hmm. and I used to do Edith Ann and Ernestine. You know, those like the first one ringy dingy. Yeah, that yeah. whole thing. Yeah, and then uh, would you see like them on Variety? Oh, shows, I would see them on Laughing. You yeah. know, she she was on Laughing, and I and I go see her one man shows in Boston. Before one woman to Broadway. One woman shows. Yeah, that's right. She was a woman. Um, but you know, yeah. Well, whatever. but in your heart, in my heart. <laughs> um, thank you for correcting me. Who's that's gonna okay. come after me for that one? Um, see, you can't yeah, even can. have can't, a conversation. I can't. I slip. I'm old. <laughs> Um, and um, so she, she was someone uh, I, I I listened to a lot, and, and uh, Robert Klein was the other big one for me. Those were the two, and then later on, Steve Martin, Richard Pryor, Craig Russell, who was a brilliant female impersonator that I learned to do a lot of impressions from. Um, uh, he passed away, and he was kind of a cult star. He did a movie, a Canadian movie called Outrageous, in 1977. He was brilliant. And I ran his spotlight when I was 19 years old and I worked in Provincetown. 
he died in 1990, but he was he was a mess. He was a, a lot of drugs and stuff. But he was he did everybody. He did Sophie Tucker and Bette Midler and Janis Joplin, Louis Armstrong and Judy Garland and Peggy Lee and oh, he was a genius. Um, so I learned a lot. I never I did I don't like props, which uh-huh. is why I never like putting on a wig or doing it in drag. I learned from Lily Tomlin by watching her when she would do men. She would just transform she, on stage. Eyes. She yeah. just did it. Yeah. She didn't dress. She didn't use props. So that's where, uh, although I did a lot of impressions of women, I did it like this. Right. Because I just, I didn't. It was too cumbersome. I don't want all that stuff. I just want to do it, and I could do it. It worked. So. So. It, that, that that those are the ones. Those are the ones for me. And and and, and you're Ju- doing my, one of my first school? impressions was yeah. was Julia Child too. And I still because you would watch her, yeah. And someone said to me, "You should do her." So I, I watched her and I started doing her. Um, and you're making everyone laugh, yeah. And people are like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, we had variety shows. Like it was called Youth Night. <coughs> Excuse me. And I would do like Paul Lind, and um, I would do Julia Child sketches, and and then I then by high by my senior year in high school, I started writing my own. Um, are you doing all comedy. the school plays? In oh yeah, oh and yeah, musical. Oh yeah, I was Peter. I was a riveting Peter Pan in sixth grade. Um, They're still Peter, talking about uh, it. Yes, they are. I did Peter Pan, and I was like, you know, and you know, he's always played by a woman. I was right. like, no, Peter Pan's a guy. Not in this you, one, and not in Walt Disney's either. That's right. So, not that I didn't love Sandy Duncan, she was amazing. She was. Oh amazing. God, I cried. Yeah. Um, but I actually wanted a glass eye. I, did, I used to do. I used to do Sandy Duncan and the one-eyed Peter Pan and go, I'm flying, and slam myself against the wall and fall. <laughs> well, she set us up, didn't she? Mm-hmm. I mean, what else could we do? Well, I got that. Dr. Leo Nicole, who was my professor at Emerson College, he said he told that story that when it was in Boston, that she was... She flew into the wall during the during the test. It is very hard yeah. without depth perception. I bet. I, how do you do it with one eye? Well, she did it for years and years magnificently. I, Mag, she was amazing. Yeah. I always had, like, a, on my kid show, I had a kid show called Steam Pipe Alley. Well, that's from the 80, beginning yeah, of your television, television career. Kind of, yeah. 88 to 93 was the number one rated kid show in the country. It was huge. But it was at a big adult audience. 52% of my audience was adult. Right. We had games like Find Sammy Davis Jr.'s Eye in the Pie, where I would play Sammy Davis, and I would have a sequined eye patch on my eye. And I'd be like, hey, man, find my eye in the pie. And it was like... And it was a different every. It wasn't every week. We do it like once a month. We like kind of rotate all these weird games, um, and you had to. He lost his eye a different way every every week. Like one week, Ella hit a high note, and my eye flew into the Viennese table right into that pie. It's blueberry man, and then the kid would have to like put his hand behind his back and dig into the pie with his teeth and find the plastic eye. It was so sick. This is cra- Wait, so is this in the years that like Zoom was on television? No, Zoom was way earlier. Wait, so this is This was that. like Pee Wee Herman. You were not a kid anymore no, when you I were was, doing this. No, I was tw- I was um 28 years old. All right. Well, how did you get this show? I auditioned for it at Channel 9 in Secaucus, New Jersey, and Bob Woodruff, may he rest in peace, was this southern Floridian gay man that was just like which is amazing that he gave me the job. Because sometimes back then, especially, it was the gay man that was afraid of losing right. his job. Sure. But this guy was just ballsy and brave, and he was like, and him, he hired me. And um, and did he say, I want to do like a Pee Wee Herman show? They wanted a Sufi Sales type show where okay. it appealed to adults and kids. That's all I had to hear. And I'm one in. of the first sketches we did was Julia Child filleting the um, Little Mermaid. <laughs> I was like, we're going to take the tail and we're going to cut it down the middle. And this is Ariel. She doesn't have a voice anymore. 
oh yeah it was like you know and it was like baked stuffing the little mermaid and it's just like we did barbie and ken quiches it was so crazy we'd stuff a turn and and then and then we had games like where i play luciano pavarotti it was called pump the gas and luciano it was, we called him pucciano pavarotti and he was a he was a gas station owner over in overalls and i was had a big pillow to make me look fat and he would pump gas and eat beans and make the kids play musical chairs with whoopee cushions so you have kids there. Oh, they they looked at me like I was friggin' nuts. And I would slide down a pole every week and do a monologue, like, a, you know, an opening monologue. They were not laughing. They had no idea. But people at home watching yeah. were. Yeah, and then we had sketches, like, different... We did Who sketch- was writing with you? It was one writer. Her name was Judy Kachka. She was brilliant, and she wow. still is. She's the best sketch writer, and she she's writing children's books. She's always in, been, in, like, in that world. But right. She, but this was very edgy. She, like, we did Raging Pan which was Scorsese's Peter Pan, where I did De Niro as Pan and Joe Pesci as Captain Hook. I mean, it was some crazy, weird is this stuff on YouTube now? Yeah, some of it is. Uh, good luck. I'm going to share oh, this it's with sick. my listeners. This is incredible oh, it's good fun. Stuff. It was fun. And, you know, it was very successful. It only got thrown off the air because the, um, by, by 1993... The sta- the station Channel Nine was was you know was Universal NBC it was Universal owned it and then uh, Pine Pinewood or Pine Pinewood owned it and Pine Box Pine, no it was Pinewood bury me I, in, yes, a, in a Pine yeah. Box and then then Chris Craft owned it mm-hmm. the boat company mm-hmm. and it was it was owned the head of it was a very conservative man and he saw the show his wife actually saw the show and she was appalled sure and they were like and the nope. ratings were good we premiered with 3.2 ratings on a sunday and we by may of 90 91 we were up to 8.5s major rage we had crazy ratings so when we were thrown off the air we were like at twos or threes which they considered low for us it's like dude are you kidding me they get they get 0.1s on right. sunday morning um was this but they threw a full-time job at yeah. the time oh yeah was it and i would do stand up and <clears throat> yeah so when you it was probably the most creatively freeing Job period ever. of my life. Well, it sounds incredible. We got to do everything. Yeah. It was crazy. You were like running your own SNL. It was exactly it. So when you went to Emerson, yeah. were you a theater major? I was a theater major, but the, my freshman year I got into the Emerson Comedy Workshop, which was a big deal on yeah. campus at the time. Dennis Leary was the head of it. Lauren Dombrowski, may she rest in peace. She was my comedy partner, and she was an executive producer of Mad TV for a long time. Wow. She was brilliant. Um she uh, did you have to audition? I did. I auditioned school? and I couldn't go to the callback because I was doing Equus in Lawrence, Massachusetts at the time at the Garrett Players playing Alan Strang. And um I couldn't go to the callback, but they let me in anyway. They just loved they were they were blown away. Amazing. So it was really great. And is that the beginning of your comedy education? C- pretty or just much to do it in Yeah, I mean I was doing doing stand up in high school at these Variety, you know, these variety shows that we put on in right. high school, the Carnival Ball, the Youth Night, blah, blah, blah. And did the you start out impressions? Was that kind of Impressions. And then I would do like Robert Klein's material and Lily Thomas' material or combine the two and do that. And then by my senior year in high school, I started writing my own stand-up. And then and my first professional stand-up was I was 19. It was in Provincetown, Massachusetts at the at the Pilgrim House and at the Post Office Cabaret. My cousin owned the Pilgrim House at the Wild. So at, at that time, it was 79, the summer of 79. Yeah. And that's when I saw Craig Russell work uh-huh. and Brandon Spotlight. Divine was working there at the time. Maxine Andrews was there that season for the Andrews Institute. It was, it was amazing. It was an amazing time. And you, mm-hmm. in a 
family where I'm, I don't know, I'm going to venture a guess, and I could be wrong, but my understanding in knowing you is that you were out from a very young age. I was. Age. I was. You know, my mother wasn't happy about it. I never said to my mother, hey, mom, gay, but she knew. She used to try to scare me straight. Meanwhile, my sister, my older sister, Marion, had her best friend was gay. She had a lot of gay friends, and I looked up to her more than anybody. I respected her more than anybody, and intellectually, I just went, this is okay. Uh-huh. This is not a bad thing. Did you have boyfriends in high school? Uh, I was messing around a lot in high school, but I was in love with somebody in high school, but they were straight. So that never was, that was unrequited. Yeah. But it was a big love. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Does he know? Yes, he knows. Billy. Yeah, Billy. Uh, Billy Lavelle. Yeah, he, I was, uh, I still, I'm still in touch with him once in a while. I'm still in love with him. He's married. He's got two kids. He's still handsome. Good. He actually, him and his wife, he married an Italian girl. So close. Um, <laughs> you were so close. Yeah, I was so close. Her name's Maria. Her name is Laurie. She's a sweetheart. She, they, 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 um, they came to see me. I did a homecoming concert in Massachusetts last year, and they came. It was an am- amazing show. And they, when you say a homecoming concert, like you know, what were you singing? I was doing like you know, I was doing my stand up and my my sing. I you know, I opened, Liza and Judy, Judy and, and Michael and yeah. Michael McDonald and yeah. Bruce Springsteen and and then doing you know all my stand up and no one does what I do. It's weird. I mean, I open with a number and then I go off and do stand up. Yeah, and I have a mouth. Yeah, you know, I'm like old school, but yet I have a mouth. So. You know, that's what happens. I had the craziest dream last night. What happened? I have been, of course, obsessively Googling, watching, remembering things I'd seen you in, reading other interviews just so that we didn't retread stuff that's already out there. And, of course, watch Laugh Horror again, which I'd seen when you did it at the Court Court. Theater. Yep, yep. yep. Um, By the way, not for nothing, Joe Mantello, the brilliant director, has everything you've done. He's been the director pretty much in Broadway. Three out of the five world world. shows. Assassins. And he gave me Love, Valor, Compassion. I I replaced Nathan Lane. Yes, brilliant. I got to see that too. Great. Um, In my dream, you and Louis Black were co-hosting a show. And I woke up this morning and I was like, that should not remain just in my dream uh, life. I, I would in like, a second. The two of you are such perfect. It's a perfect pairing. And we came up together. I mean, yes. I've known him for equally passionate, years. hilarious, yep. different points of view, yep. different voices, different yep. comedy voices. Yep. He's but he's much more energy, political than I am, and smart. Yes. He's another one. Your Savvy energy political. matches. Smart. Yeah. Anyway, so that was him. my dream, and I woke up and I was like, Dominic. He was like, Well. If anyone can make that happen. Dominic, your hot husband. My very hot husband. You know, someone said to me, what do you miss? Because obviously Dom and I moved to Brooklyn. And when that happened, I didn't get to see you daily in Chelsea walking around He fits right in in Carroll Gardens, that one. He does. That Italian boy. He does. And it's hilarious because he's Midwestern, but no one. He is, huh? No one, like, understands that. Where is he, he from? Feels, he is from a little town outside of Madison, Wisconsin. And his dad, obviously Sicilian, but his mom is like this sweet little English cherubic, like split down the middle. So, but he looks very Italian. Totally, like half of his family look like they're from you know Wisconsin, Germany, Wisconsin, ruddy and red, you know, farm people, and then the other half look like they're in a De Niro movie. Yeah, it's like literally the DNA went like split, and. He is really happy being in Carroll Gardens, but we Good. talk about missing, sort of bumping into sure. you, which is why you're here today. I know. I used to bump into you guys all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And you guys just did that fashion show together we for did charity, it last which year is and amazing. This year, yeah, for prostate cancer. It's the Blue Jacket um, Blue Jacket fashion show for, for prostate awareness, and it's... Um, 
Yeah, it was great. We did it last year and this year. My father died of prostate cancer, so you know, I I'm it's close very, to your heart. Yeah, it's very close to my heart. So I, you know, it's 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 a great event too. It's so yeah. fun. Yeah, it's a blast. And well, you always look beautiful in it as well. <laughs> um, and now Dominic has a blue leather jacket, right? Because of you, he always liked. He's such a like good soul. He does the fashion show and then he puts the stuff. No, back. you take it. <laughs> You take everything. <laughs> he left it there. And but then they, were... they said I could have it. It was no, like I took it. They called him the next day and they were like, you left all the, you know, John Varvato's clothing. And he was like, oh. Okay. Oh, no, you take it. I was like shoving it in the bags. I'm terrible. It's like, <laughs> you come with hefty bags. You know, it's so funny. The first, my first episode of Sex in the City, I, I, I remember Michael Patrick King said to me, you know, take your clothes. So for me, that set a precedent. All right. Now, every time I do the show, I can take my clothes. Exactly. I got Dior suits. Oh, God. What are, I'm like, what are you going to do with them? All right. Where well, are they going to go? Can we talk about that? Because you will do many things in your life but when you are well, on yeah. an iconic it made me international, international. i go to paris i go yeah. to italy oh forget it yeah it's nice and it's nice it was a it was a it was an amazing thing you know the thing the lucky thing that happened with me was i did one episode season 3 okay and how many episodes were there i i don't know there i mean were... not episodes how many seasons there were 6 seasons okay and two movies so the i, I did one episode season 3 and I remember running into Michael Patrick King in a restaurant afterwards. I came up with him. We were stand-up comedians together. That's how we knew each other. So Darren Starr created it, and then Michael Patrick so, King took over. Well, he he was or he was he a writer was hired on to it be early. the kind of head writer and creative. Okay. And then by the third season, Darren basically it was gave Michael's him the show. reins. It was Michael's show, and <clears throat> um, that's when he had me on. He wrote me this part, and I I remember there was it was one scene, but there were two scenes, and the second scene was cut. Where I had an argument with Kristen because she was panicking. He played her wedding yeah. coordinator. She was panicking about her dress and I was trying to fit it and it, it ripped and we had this argument. Mm-hmm. So if that, it, for some reason they cut it, which was good because then I got to come back because right. we didn't have this fight. You were still friends. Yeah. So, um, and someone, uh, it's amazing how things work, isn't it? And then I ran into Michael later and they said, You know how many calls we got about your appearance? I said, I don't know, but am I coming back? And he said, Yeah. And then the next season four, I did the premiere season premiere, and then I did another episode. And then the third season, then the fifth season, I did three episodes. And the sixth season, I did six episodes. The lucky, th- and then I got to do both movies. Yeah. Because usually, you know, look, there was already one gay character, Willie. You know, he was there at season one. Right. And then there's four pretty much leading women. I mean, Sarah's the lead, but there's four plot lines that you have to deal ensemble. with. It is a true ensemble. It is. And yeah. you've got you've to pack it in with everyone has to have a story, yeah. especially in the movies, too. In the movie, everyone basically is involved in it. Everyone has a story. Some storylines bigger than the other. But the fact that there was already a gay character, and I because if you're not having sex with one of those girls in the plot line, you're not coming back. Right. You're not in it. It's over. There's already a gay guy, especially yeah. back then. One was enough. That's all people could handle, I'm sure, in this country. So the, then the I got... The gays were represented. Yeah, they were. With one character. Yeah, I know. Right. And then Ridiculous. now they were represented by two characters. Yeah. And they were two very different gay people. Yeah. You know. And they were a But a couple. lot of gay people didn't like my character. Why? I would say... I remember one guy saying to me on the street, you know you play an asshole. I'm like, well, maybe... But then women didn't see it that way. Mm-hmm. Women wanted to be my best friend. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting how people, Interpreted. how differently gay people saw it than straight people saw right. it. Right. And straight women saw it. Well, there's a sensitivity about how people want to yeah. be represented. Sure, sure there is. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, It's, it's fair. What are you going to do? Nothing except Drink. that show remains 
unbelievably iconic. Yep. Every generation of girls, and especially. it still holds up. But you know, I had the, girls the still, well, young girls come up to me totally. all the time, still watch it. And they're still like, it. "Are you a Miranda? Are you a?" Oh yes. I mean, that's such a yeah. thing. But you know, I had the pleasure of doing. Sarah's new show this divorce, week. which I, just I love. Finished it. I love I watched, it too. I watched um, the first two seasons. I loved it. It's a great show, mm-hmm. and really kind of watching. You know, we talk a lot about the number one on the call sheet. Yeah, I think the tone she sets. That's what it is. Is extraordinary. It all trickles down from that. It does, and she's such a team player. Yep. And you wouldn't know watching her that really, like, she's this person running the entire thing no she's she's just there to be in the show yeah, with you no yeah yeah uh, but especially divorce i think you know that's her yeah she's no, part of the City, inception she's yeah part of that whole she's yeah she's a producer right yeah you know, she's an executive producer. i think her company was involved in yes. like the creating of it so and... that yeah even more so than sex in the city as far as <clears throat> every you know as a total thing for her it's hers but when you anyway i loved you on it i love that show i love being around her i think she's really special and i, I had think a great she time puts great things into the world i had a good time on that show it was a lot of fun I had a good time with all the girls and and a gift that keeps guys. on giving yes you know i mean yeah yeah it does it does keep, they were supposed to do the third one but it's, it's too bad because yeah we all wanted to do it it was yeah. a bummer it really was but what are you going to do um, we're going to enjoy what we have. That is absolutely so positive, Alana. <laughs> no, I oh, want to know. Oh, God. You, because you're such a hybrid and can do so many things. You like also have an entire... <laughs> like have... a cheap-ass car. I'm a hybrid. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> you are good for the environment? Am I really? I don't know. My carbon footprint. I use a lot of paper towels. Do you? Oh, God, yeah. It's terrible. We all have our vices. I know. It's awful. It's you know, They call me Wadena because there's always a wad somewhere. Like left in the corner on the counter. You're like, I'm like, not oh. using a towel or a handkerchief. You're like, here comes Wadena. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about your ability to take on Broadway in the way that you did. I miss it. I want to do, I mean, I'm working on a musical right now that's called Bliss that's really wonderful. That you're writing? Nope. It's written. I don't write musicals. Uh, Just write for me and come get me. Okay. Uh, But it's a great fairy tale kind of thing and funny and powerful and great. And I'm the Disney villain in it pretty much. It's not a Disney, but it's, I'm the villain. It's a great, we did a workshop of it and a lot of people responded to it. So I think it's coming along. Yeah. I'm doing, I'm working on that. Um, I'm working on my second one-man show that's had a million producers back and forth, back and forth, and and I want to do it, and then it's the daunting reality of, do I really want to do it? Because it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. That's all you worry about is your voice. And I'm older now. My voice isn't what it used to be. Right. My stand-up's very aggressive, and then I have to sing and do impressions while singing and not singing. So, so do you work with a coach to no, kind of help? No, I don't. I should. I should. At this point, I really should. Speaking of Disney, mm-hmm. I love this, Disney. Is this? Um, I'm a freak. True or apocryphal? Yeah, you were in the original workshop. I was in the yeah. I was in one of the last workshops of The Lion King. I talk about it in Laugh War. Yeah, I was. They offered me the role of Timon. But that was true. That's true. Because yeah, you're yeah. such a great storyteller. Yeah, I wanted. But sometimes to... it's like, wait, is he making no, this up, or no, did this no. really happen? Most of my shit's true. Okay, um, it's yeah. I did. I just. I I just didn't want to do it. I. I it was. I didn't. I mean, I talk about it in my show, being very funny about it, hopefully. But, you know, I it's so ironic because I love Disney. Like, I used to have bootleg tapes of Cinderella and 
Peter Pan right. VHS. You grew up you, on before, it, but I had the bootleg tapes before you. Before you, it was How? legal. How did you I, have them? Black market Disney. I don't know. I where would you go? I get got. Them. I would get. People had them like black market, like VHSs of Peter Pan, Snow White, Pinocchio. When Pinocchio was the first one that was released on VHS legally, okay. my head popped off. I was like, they're releasing Pinocchio. I was so excited. But I used. To I don't have, have to meet someone late at night yeah. in like a dark corner. Exactly. You know, I was always afraid <laughs> I was going to get busted and thrown in jail. And the, you know. I still feel that way with my screeners. I'm yeah. like, do I have to like cut oh, them I, when I I'm know. done? I know. They, Does anything happen? No, are they watermarked they, they, with my? Children? Yes, they are supposedly. But they. I mean, come on. How? I don't. How know. panicked are we with that shit? I'm panicked. And then in two years, it doesn't make a friggin' difference. The movie's over. It's done. I know that. Stupid. But I. I don't even get scared about it. I don't care. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, I don't give them away. I keep them in the house. I, I, I follow the rules. But why? Uh, because someone wants to see it, they have to come over. I don't give. I don't leave. My, I don't let them leave my house. They're absolutely not. Okay, so there's a part of you that very much respects. Yeah. The, the water market. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like. Yeah. If, you know, they're sending them to me. I yeah, appreciate yeah, it, and you. I will respect what they ask yeah, of me. Yeah, and I don't talk about them a lot mm. because then people do want to borrow. Them. Sure. So I just keep my mouth shut. Okay. Um. <clears throat> but anyway. Yeah, I love I love I love Disney movies. I love animation. So the fact that but you know, it's different to do a voice. I've done a couple of animated yeah. movies, which was my favorite thing to do. So in the much world. fun. It's surf. You go to work in pajamas. Oh, it was the greatest. Um I loved Surf's Up. Oh, it's a good movie. Really good. Um that was uh that was uh, Sony Pictures Animation. Ash Brandon and Chris Buck, who was at Disney, left, worked at Sony and now he's back at Disney. He did Frozen um at Disney and it worked out for him. Yeah, he's brilliant. Um, Were you scared when you said no to the Lion no, King? No. All kidding aside, no, I, that I, there would be reverberations in your career. Well, it negative. probably were. There were. probably was. That and uh, I've turned down a couple of things, the big, big things, um, that I just didn't want to do. Um, I didn't want to. With the Lion King, it's like I'm painting my body green and mm-hmm. I'm strapping a puppet on my ass. And right. I just didn't. I don't want to do that. I just didn't want to do that. I'll do Love I Hour know, Compassion. I'll do that. I, I the don't, Violet Hour. Yeah, I will do. Well, the Violet Hour was a disaster, but that's a whole but other But I'll story. do it. I'll do it. Hey, I will do, and that on, on the page, it's a beautiful play, the Violet Hour. It just wasn't a good production. Look, this is the thing with me. I will do the biggest piece of shit as long as it's scripted. I'll never do a reality show. You'll never see it. And I'm poor. I need a job. I feel like James Mason. I need to jump. Remember Stars Boy? Yes. I need to jump. I can do comedy too, not just drama. Um, but so, if Andy Cohen called and was like, "Mario, I know you said he no. has not yes. recently, but years ago, he he wanted me to do. He's offered me a couple times doing. To you do wouldn't real. be a housewife, never. Or, you know, when Kathy Griffin had her show, that's when he was like, he offered me one before, he offered me one after that. But and why? I just said, because no, because you're not going to follow so me. Raw. I don't want to. You're not following me around with a camera. For 24 hours or whatever, however long it is. And my husband would never do it. You'd have to get Blair Underwood to play him. My, I'm not going to be responsible for making my mentally ill family famous. I'm not doing that. Nope. I'm, I don't want to do that. What I will do, think do of it in the general? worst fucking Hallmark movie. Will you watch it? Do you no. watch reality? No, I don't. I don't. I think they're poison. I think all that shit is poison. Um, I watched Kathy's show because she had a way of... Rising above it and planning it all out and using it as as, as comedy for her. So, what She's, do you think about what happened to her? I, I think it's ridiculous mm-hmm. that they tortured her like that. Mm-hmm. The, the government, every it was ridiculous. It was horrible. I think it was horrible what they did to her. But look at her now. She's selling out stadiums and she's she's fine now. It's and, pretty and it extraordinary. Did, it, and it didn't last too long either. 
that thing against her. Right. And she came right back. It was quick. She did it quick. That's because of her. I yeah. give her all the credit in the world for just handling it right. Um, <clears throat> so when you're out there telling stories about your family yeah. and really not on television. That's my reality show. You talk about it that way. I just, I just can't. I just, yeah, I don't, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. But anyway. And you don't have to. No, I do, actually. I need to jump. Yeah. Well, but, what do you do when you need a job? Pray. Mm-hmm. Literally. Okay. I do. And then I audition and, you know, hope things come up. <laughs> I, 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 as, as cynical as I am, I'm really quite optimistic. Well, it's, it's very always worked weird. out, right? Pretty much, yeah. You're still here yeah. as the song goes. Yep, I, I know. Good times and bub times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've seen what I'm all in my day. I'm still here. How do you work? How, do you work? Do you prepare differently for different ah, things? No. Do you? I'm the worst preparer in the world. Okay. My husband's like, you don't vocalize. I'm like, well, what? Barbara Streisand doesn't vocalize. He's like, you're not Barbara Streisand. Uh, He's wrong. He, yes, you are. I, I, I just, I beautiful am, husband. I, I am I'm my beautiful husband. Yeah. Who's in Seattle a lot now. He is now the artistic director of the Village Theater in Seattle. He's directed it the last 12 years off and on. And, the, and now he's taken a He's permanent. taken it over because he, the, this, the artistic director of the past, of the first 25 years stepped down and they made him. That's incredible. It's great, but I miss him. I have a lot of, we have a lot of like uh, separation anxiety, so I'm not happy about right. it, believe me. But we're happy for him. I'm very happy for him. So you don't warm up. You don't no. vocalize. No, but I, I, you know, I prepare for auditions. I try to memorize as much as I can. But then in the back of my mind, I'm like, they're not paying me yet. Why should I be memorizing this shit? <laughs> That's how I fucking look at it. Isn't that awful? I don't think you're wrong. But getting back to um, the Broadway thing. Yes. And turning things down. You know, and, and as when I'm great to work with. Once I'm, my deal's done and I'm in the room, I'm great. But my negotiating situation, it's not good. And that's why I have a reputation. And that's why I don't work as much as I think I should. Because people think, well, he's going to turn it down. He's going to want this much money. It's never about money either, by the way, for me. So when you it's look more at about, sort of your criteria, right? This yeah. is what I need. What I, I'll tell you what, what I do, What are the things you need? I, I don't want my name above the title. But I want some, unless it's an ensemble and it's off of alphabetical order and that's how they're doing it, fine. But if people are being billed, I want to be billed. I want I've been to be doing this for months. People know my name. Yes. I might put a couple of people in the seats every night. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to pack it, but I, you know, I don't, I don't understand what the resistance is, and that's happened. Okay. Um, I've lost jobs, a couple, well, a couple jobs because of that. Um, um, it's never really about money. It's about just making it right and wanting and and saying yes to something that I know I'm going to be doing eight shows a week, uh-huh. and I want to like it, at least like it. It doesn't have to be unbelievable. I just want to like it. Right. And I don't want to have to, you know, carry a puppet around, you know. Mm-hmm. I just, and you know, the the other show was the producers that I did, that I didn't do. Right. But that was, that was because. Carmen Yeah. And that's because I was supposed to play Carmen Gia, which Robert, Roger Bart did so brilliantly. And I was still on great terms with Mel Brooks afterwards. And I love him and his wife, may she rest in peace. She was the greatest. But it was, it was, it was a bummer because I. I, the deal with that was was not money again. It was I respect. I, no, it wasn't even billing. That had nothing. To, it wasn't billing. It wasn't money. It was I needed six months. I could only do it for six months, and they wanted a year because mm-hmm. I was leaving to do Assassins, mm-hmm. which by which the way got, got canceled yeah. because of nine eleven because yeah. of my role, Sam Bick, yeah, who tried to hijack a plane in seventy three and crash it into the White House to kill Nixon. That was his plan. He never got it off the ground. They killed him in the cockpit, but. 
um, it happened. Um, How long was that show delayed for? Because it happened. Oh, four. Okay. Well, it went from 01 to 04. So it finally happened. So I could have done the producers. Mm-hmm. But also, at the time, I was doing a lot of um, Sex and the City episodes. Right. And Not a lot, but, but you know, it. and you know, as in theater, they don't let you out to do an episode. Right. So I probably would have lost all uh, the Sex and the City situation. Yeah. And that was during the producers and after that, that, that all that happened. So it really worked out for me. But, you know, if I could, I, I love the producers. I really wanted, I told Mel, I said at the time, I told Mel Brooks, I was like, I want to play uh, the director, Roger Debris, because I'd do the Judy Garland number. Totally. Come on. He was like, you're too young. I was too young at the time. Well, I wasn't really, but I looked young. Yeah, you I always look looked young. younger. Because yeah. I remember when I did Love Valor, I was thirty-six years old, and they were like, "You look." Too, I said, "You look." They were like, "You look too way too young for this." I said, "Yeah, but he's thirty-six. The character was thirty-six. Can you do assassins now? Do you think we? Can? Yes. I mean, oh, people do it. It's so I saw extraordinary. That's I was listening to the cast recording last night again because yeah. I was in my deep dive of you. I love that you deep dove me. I did. I'd do it again. <laughs> but it was it's it's a great it was my it was an amazing show. That ensemble oh, extraordinary. And that Joe Mantello directed the hell out of that. It was in Jonathan Butterall. What do you think is the music. what is it about Joe? What is it about Joe Mantello? I don't know. I just he's the greatest for me. I He's been we such get a each other. For you. Yeah, he, we get each other. Did he know you before you came in for Love Valor? No, he saw me do stand up. A friend of his, Shelly, who he went to school with. Winters. <laughs> Shelly went, go see Mario Castro. He's funny. He's funny. Fuck. Um, no, he, she said, go see him. And Carol, he came and it was, it was sold out. There were no seats. And he came backstage and he was praying that I'd recognize him, which I did because I had just seen him in Angels in America, oh, which so he beautiful. was so brilliant. And yeah. So I got him a seat. He watched it. He loved it, and then he called me and said, I want you to go see Love, Valor, and I did when it was off Broadway with Nathan. I loved it, and then he called me after that and said, look, wouldn't you be great in that part as Buzz? I was like, yeah, and he said, well, Nathan is only going to do it for like a couple of months on Broadway because he has to leave to go do Birdcage. So I said, okay, and he said, so I want you to come in and read. I'm like, all right. And I'm a bad auditioner. That's so you another had to reason. Audition. Why. I'm not a good auditioner. Yeah. Sometimes I can hit it, and sometimes I'm just not. I, most of the time, I'm shitty at it. So <clears throat> I went in, and I he worked with me for an hour in front of Lynn Meadows and Terrence McNally and all the MTC people, and then I he gave me a break, and then he worked with me again for another hour in front of them. That's so exhausting. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah. And then it was between me and Joel Gray, and I waited. Way too long. <laughs> I remember coming back from Vegas and I was on the flight because I had to go to Vegas to do an HBO luncheon, perform at it. And I was with my husband. And I remember coming back on the plane going, if this plane crashes, I said to Jerry, my husband, if this plane crashes, I'll never know whether I got that part or not. It had been like two weeks. I'm like, what the fuck are they doing? And then I got home, the phone rang, and it was Joe and he said, it's yours. And that was it. And I cried like a baby. And I did it. And it won the Tony for best play. That must have been it was an awesome. incredible feeling. It was. I always say it was all downhill from there. <laughs> well, when you have... Because that role that was sick. That role, that play, those people, and Justin life, Kirk and John Benjamin Hickey and friends for Friends for life, too. Yeah. Friends for life. Yeah. You know, I mean, that was, was a really special time it really in the was. American theater. Yeah. And then right after that, I went into The Tempest with Patrick Stewart. Another amazing which thing. Which was wild. I got horrible reviews, but it was quite an experience to sit in a sand pit. It was a pit of sand. 
I had sand in my ass and my nose and my ear every friggin' night. With him. Uh, oh, my God. And, but, you know, and The Tempest is considered one of the comedies, isn't it? No, it's not a comedy. I was, I, I, it was tough for me. Yeah. I just wanted to scream at the audience, these are 400-year-old jokes. You make them funny. <laughs> but you did The Tempest. You did Shakespeare. I did Patrick it. Patrick Stewart. I did. It was fun. You and, should be knighted for that. Well, yeah, I wasn't so great. Uh, when I did um, Taming of the Shrew in the park that Mel Shapiro directed with so Allison Janney, yeah. J.O. Sanders, that was magnificent. And that just felt better because it's zanier and funnier and, I don't know, it was really... And that's an incredible cast that also doesn't take itself too seriously. Exactly. Right? The Tempest has the serious stuff in it, but it's not a tragedy. Yeah. It's just kind of a, you know, ethereal fairy tale weird. It's weird. I don't love it. But when you think about your career and the kind of wingspan, if you think of it that way, in terms of all the kinds of things it's you've bizarre. been able to do. I don't, you know, no one gets to do what you do. I know, but if I wasn't a comedian, I would have never done Shakespeare, because those are the roles that I did. I'm not, doing, yeah. I'm not doing fucking Hamlet. You know, I'm just doing, I'm doing, you know, Stefano and, and The Tempest and Grumio and, and Taming of the Shoe. And in college, I would say to my acting teachers, I'm never going to do this, Shakespeare, in professionally. I don't want to do this. I don't know. It was torture. But it was very difficult. But can yeah. you think yeah. of one of the most hilarious, in retrospect, humiliating, in retrospect, audition stories that someone will listen to and go, oh, my God, if Mario Cantone. Yeah, I, I'm, me- an awful, I'm an awful audition. I remember coming in and auditioning for Paul Gemignani for, for, for Stephen Sondheim's, um, it was called Bounce at the time. Um, it, it, now it was what's it called? It was uh, it's Roadshow. It's called now, but at the time it was called Bounce or I don't know. But anyway, it was one of the last things he wrote. Um, not that he's dead, but it was the last full show he wrote. Uh, and I remember going in. It was before Assassins, before I had worked with Stephen Sondheim, before I'd worked with Paul Gemignani, who I adore. But had you done a musical before? I. You know, all the shows on Broadway, mostly I've done out of the, they, the only one that was a musical was my one man show. Right, but I'm saying the other four were straight plays. I had to sing, but I love yeah. to sing and I sing fine. But I had to sing, I sang "Not a Day Goes By." I forgot the words in the middle of it, and I and I kept forgetting the words. And I just looked at Paul and said, "I gotta go," and I walked out. <laughs> I like I can't do this. And I walked out, and I, we laugh at Paul, and I have laughed about it since then. But I work Paul Gemignani, who's one of the great greatest musical directors. Oh, he was my assassin's musical director, and he was just oh, glorious. And you got up the next day and did it again, right? Like you went through that. You didn't go back. Yeah, home. no, you just keep going. You, yeah. you no, know, I look. It was a. It was. I remember feeling relieved leaving. I wasn't. I didn't regret it. <laughs> Isn't that horrible? Right. Um, I didn't regret it. I wasn't upset about it. And I was like, I, I'm not. I'm not gonna. F- Fuck up like this in front of this guy. I'm not wasting. I'm gonna time. go. I gotta go. I'm gonna go. And he was. And Paul was like, "You do. You were doing. You were doing good. I don't know what, what the hell happened here. <laughs> Just Where, lyrics. Where'd you go? I know, really. <clears throat> but do you feel successful? No. 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 Are no. you proud of yourself? Um. At times. But it's hard right now. I'm in a very strange period because. I'm concentrating on a lot of theatrical things. I'm auditioning for pilots. <clears throat> um, Your husband's away. My husband's away. I don't want to do stand-up anymore. I do my one-man show because I know what it is. Right, and, and you can tell I a think, story. Yeah, and I, you know, I can, I can veer away from the stuff that, that I really want to talk about that you can't because if you say things, they lynch you. Right. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, but I, I just, I did stand up for the first time last two weeks ago for a benefit at Gotham Comedy Club um, that I did this benefit I do every year for Gilbert Gottfried's son's school. And his wife, Dara, does this benefit every year for their school. So I, I that was fun. And I did, I did well. But, Is it true that in life, uh, he doesn't sound like that? Yeah, he's calmer. He's, yeah, he's, he's, that's his persona. Okay. Yeah. So if you were to have dinner with him. No. God. Oh, no, no. No, not so much. He's, he's quiet. Okay. He's, he's quiet when he's not doing his thing. Right. But I love him. I have a lot of fun with him. I do his podcast every Christmas. It's a big deal. I well, you're going to do mine him. every Hanukkah. Every Hanukkah? Okay, I will. I think he's Jewish, too. He I is think. Jewish. He is. He is. Itch. We, he's Jewish. Oh, he's Jewish. And he, he, but we talk about like all the Christmas movies and the Christmas specials. And I do a musical number every time. We have fun. This year I did Judy Garland's um, After the Holidays, which is one of the last things she sang. It was on Johnny Carson. It's one of the most depressing Christmas songs ever. And I did it to parody it and it ended up being serious. It was weird. So my last fun. question what? before I let you go. No! What? Why? Barbara Streisand, Judy Garland. Why are certain people really iconic? Well, the two you mentioned yes. are from years ago, and that's when gay men had great taste. Okay. But if you want to talk about who they loved now, sorry, I don't get it. Okay. Nope. But they got them. They got them. But that was the generation before me. Uh-huh. You know? So were they? Did you inherit that taste from well, them? My mother used to listen to Garland all the time. It was her favorite singer, so I got really got it from her. Mm-hmm. And then Streisand too. She listened to Streisand, uh-huh. and then she didn't like the fact that I was gay. But meanwhile, she'd make me get on the coffee table at two years old and sing the Carnegie Hall album. I'm like, Ma, mixed messages. <laughs> uh, but and then I did Funny Girl. Like at eight years old, I was doing you know singing that. They'd make me do it in front of company. Right. And then you know. Comes high school, it's like, I'm gay, and they're like, "Mm." okay, yeah, not good, but um, yeah, I, I, that those they're great, they're great, they were just great singers. I mean, people always like, well, people, you know, gay men related to Judy Garland because of the pain, and they were going through this, you know, the same kind of thing, and they they took on her pain, they understood her. I don't uh know if it was that, uh huh, I just think it was the power of her talent, performer, Yeah, yeah, I do. Because Barbara Streisand didn't have pain. I'm sure she did, but not like that. Right. She wasn't out there. Yeah. She was much more private. Exactly. And she survived. Yeah. Um, And some. Yeah. She's the greatest. Yeah. Oh, I love her. Well, I love you. Oh, I love you. Such a long time in coming. It was really nice. Thank you. Thank you for thank you for the cup of water and (laughs) the black and white cookie and the keychain. Come on. Which is fantastic. There's nothing like a keychain with your picture on it. I know you like swag. Just give me your husband for an hour. That's the swag I want. You got it. He's so cute. That's what I offer you all both. my guests. I love you. You're so sweet, and I had a great time. This, I'm, and I, you know, we were supposed to do this a long time ago, and I said to your husband at the Blue Jacket fashion show, I was like, well, well, I said, yeah. well, I'm supposed to do this. And yeah. then you called. And here you are. And here I am. Exactly. Thank you, Thank you honey. for being here. Till the uh, next time. Thank you so much for listening. Do you know there are over 120 episodes of Little Known Facts with Alana Levine at this point? So if you love this one, but you're a new listener, go back to the beginning and catch up 
I promise you every episode will shed a light on an artist that inspires you in a whole new way. It is such a pleasure to make this podcast for you, and I hope if you love listening as much as I love making it, that you'll head over to my website, littleknownfactspodcast.com. There's a donation page, and truly, any donation, large or small, makes such a huge impact on my being able to make over a 100 more episodes for you guys, so I really, really appreciate it. I record this podcast at the Hangar Studios in New York City. If you ever are interested in making your own podcast or any kind of recording, go to thehangerstudios.com and get more information on how they make the magic happen. Thanks for listening.